And in a gypsy trap? A gypsy trap turned into a race car. But you had the Brocknoviets! Before my high, the race car turned into a nitrofoil. Have you seen this report on this condor man? On this man Wilkins? He's an amateur, do you hear? He is not an agent of the CIA! He is a writer of comic books! We should be the laughing stock battle. Welcome to episode 11. Episode 11, that's probably now as many episodes as I've got listeners. Hooray! Uh, Yes, it's the movie mug. Time for another movie mug. Time for another movie and another mug of something hopefully tasty. A uh, VHS tape that has been rescued from my loft prison slash dungeon slash fly graveyard. uh, An area I sentenced all of my VHS tapes to uh, about five years ago. Now, none of these films have been watched in at least five years, and the majority of those haven't been watched since before 1998, when my tapes were first consigned to storage for when I went overseas and when I came back. Obviously, DVD was everywhere, so they've not been watched since then. And an awful lot of those haven't been seen since around about 1995 or before, uh, from when I first met my wife. And uh, she certainly hasn't seen uh, uh, many of the films that I've been watching. She has seen today's, though. Today's film was on the same tape as last week's, or the week before now because there's a, a re-recording because the uh, video, the audio was buggered on the last one I did um, on the same tape as North Sea Hijack so I got myself a little bit of a double bill going there now on the first fi- the, the first film uh, of the tape I enjoyed myself a uh, nice Jack Daniels and Coke or two, or maybe even three. Um, this time I, uh, I I had a bit too much, well, not too much to drink, but I'd had a, a few few to drink, so I decided to go for a good old-fashioned, good old nice cup of tea. Uh, but in my oversized Homer mug, my huge Homer mug that uh, I got, oh, God knows when, sort of eight, nine, ten years ago, uh, it came with an Easter egg in it. It was an Easter Easter gift from um, somebody, probably my wife. It's an adult. <laughs> anyway, um, now if you've read my blog at all, uh, and if you haven't, uh, the movie mug tumblr.com plug 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 hang on a minute whoa 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 wait up why am i being why am i feeling bad about plugging my own blog on my own bloody podcast no sod it moviemug.tumblr.com a few things bits and pieces to read on there if you've read my blog at all amongst other things that i've been posting you will have seen that i've been chronicling my movie watching career as such 30 odd years of consuming cinema and and the various facets of it and um and i called it credentials and it's um it should have been credentials chronicled because originally it was just going to be like one post of everything that you know I've sort of not every film I've seen but kind of like what I've been through to see those sort of films um, and it's kind of ballooned a bit you know it's it's gotten on now I think I'm on about post eight or nine there's a couple that I haven't put up that I've I've done and I think I'm up to it's kind of like the late nineties by the time that uh, this gets uh, put on the um, put on iTunes but on um, an earlier post that I'd read that uh, sorry I'd uh, written that. Uh, special occasions at school, you know, sort of Christmas, end of terms, that kind of stuff, the uh, uh, the school powers that be would bring in a projector and get hold of a film, Disney, live action, always Disney live action film, if I remember rightly. Um, and this was where I first saw this film. I was would have been about nine, maybe ten, uh, when I first saw it uh, in that uh, in that environment. And let's be honest, this film was pitched at that age. That's exactly what this film was made for. Um, however, watching it thirty odd years later now with an adult's eyes, um, well, 
most would say I never really grew up, the people that know me, and uh, hey, why would I want to? Who wants to be an adult in a world in this world today? I don't know. Watching it with an adult's eyes, yeah, okay, right, it's not very good, and that's why it's so disappointing, really. That's why it's left a kind of a bad taste in my mouth, because it's basically screwed with that memory. Uh, fond memories I had of watching this, and I've not seen this film in at least 20 years, so, you know, I've been through a lot of shit since then, and, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a completely different person. Um, now, funnily enough, I wasn't the only one who had the same experience this time around with this film as indeed the same experience the first time around because my wife also saw this at school, uh, also had really, really fond memories. I mean, everybody loved this film when we were kids. This was one of those universal films that everybody loved. Uh, and when we, we, when we finished watching it, she had the same thoughts I did, which was, oh, God, that kind of stunk a little bit. So now I know I don't have a huge following out there. There's not that many people listening to this podcast. I know that. So you know, I'm not going to piss off many purists out there. And if I did, well, tough. You know, opinions are... Uh, like arseholes, everyone's got one, but um, uh, I don't think many people are going to criticise me for saying that, you know, 1981's Condor Man, unfortunately, was a bit of a stinker. Um, Okay, well, maybe stink is a little bit of a strong word. I mean, it was never really a great film to begin with, was it? You know, when you look back at it and think about it, it wasn't a great film. It was a spoof of a spy genre, a parody, uh, and an attempt by Disney to kickstart a new franchise for them, but, you know, watching it as a kid... I was giddy with it, you know, it was fun, I got caught up in the in the uh, the whole atmosphere of the film, and hell, I, I probably wanted to be Condor Man when I was a kid, you know, but it's got very, very little, very little now to offer a 38-year-old, and that's its biggest problem, is that it's range, it doesn't appeal to anything other than the 9 or 10-year-old, uh, and there is one inside of me, but it just didn't like this film anymore. Woody Wilkins, played by um, Michael Crawford, He's a great actor, fantastic actor. The lovable Frank Spencer is what he's known to um, by me and to millions of people all over the world. Um, he's a writer and a drawer of a, <coughs> a comic book called Condor Man. And at the beginning of this film, we see him on the Eiffel Tower testing out a Condor Man suit that he has fabricated himself. He's designed his own suit and he's putting it on. He's going to test it. He's going to test fly it. Why? Well, because he doesn't want to put anything into his comic books that wouldn't happen in real life. Uh, he he knows that his fans, the kids all over the world, would know that he's lying to them. Well, you know, like they'd give a shit. You know, to be honest with you, you know, I thought comic books were supposed to be fantastical. That's the reason why I read comic books uh, when I was a kid and even into my uh, you know mid twenties. Uh, I wanted to read fantastical worlds and and characters and and things. Real life bollocks to that. Who cares about that? But maybe that's just me. Anyway, so he jumps off the Eiffel Tower and of course the wings fail because man can't fly. <laughs> um, hardly surprising really, and he falls. Into the river, um, which I think is the River Seine. I'm not entirely sure. Um, geography was never my strong point. Uh, he falls into the River Seine, but not 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 with a plummet, not with a you know choo, into the into the water. It's more like a gentle gentle fall, as if well, it looks a little bit as like he's being lowered down on a wire, and uh, it probably was to be fair. Um, his best mate, Harry, played by James Hampton, who uh, you will know from, uh, well, I know best from being Scott's dad in Team Wolf. He was the, the cuddly, not so much a wolf, more like a bear, cuddly bear that, that gets revealed at the end. And uh, if I just spoiled Team Wolf, but tough. Um, he's a CIA filing kirk, or at least that's what he says he is, who uh, chooses Woody for a mission to deliver a package of documents to Istanbul, some civilian thing going on. Um, so uh, he, 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 ta- he takes it on. Um, here he meets the uh, alleged civilian he's going to hand the documents to in Istanbul. He meets Natalia, who's played by Barbara Carrera, who uh, hasn't really done a great deal else. A lot of uh, things in, in, in her own country, uh, whether that is Romania, Russia, I'm not entirely sure, but um, I only really remember from Never Say Never Again. She was the uh, she was the totty in that. 
Uh, Woody kind of takes it a bit too far, though, with the spy part. You know, he's uh, he's very suspicious by his inconspicuousness, or it's supposed to be. So, uh, you know, he uh, even does a bit of a Bogart impression at the beginning, but he's wearing the hat and the long jacket. And anyway, he claims to be a top super spy Condor man. You know, he doesn't think he's ever going to see this girl again. You know, he's playing it up. He's the he's, 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 he's the hat, he's the character. Uh, he obviously fancies her, and, you know, and he wants to fluff his wings a little bit. You know, Condor style, I guess, is, uh, is where you can look at that from. Um, he gets into a fight at the meeting and he kind of demonstrates to Natalia his super skills and quick reflexes in disarming the, the bad guys but it's all a bit mistaken fighting you know it's a kind of a he puts his hand up to surrender and knocks the guy up behind him with his case he, he, he uh, you know he, uh, another dives for him from behind and he bends down to pick something up and he basically flies over him and it looks like he's beating the crap out of him but it's not it's Frank Spencer fighting is what it is it's that I kept thinking that one minute the camera would sort of zoom into him and he'd put his finger to his mouth and go ooh that kind of thing you know um, it, it's um, it's pretty poor. Uh, Natalia is in fact a Soviet spy, and when she returns to Moscow, she's getting a bit of a bum deal off her lover and her boss, uh, Sergei Krokov, played by uh, the wonderful Oliver Reed. Uh, and she wants, she decides to defect, and she goes to the CIA, asks the CIA to send Condor Man to get her out because obviously she was so impressed with his um, skills and uh, daring do when they met in Istanbul. Uh, Woody initially reluctant to help the CIA out, uh, you know, sort of like, I'm not a spy, I can't do this. But then, obviously, he finds out that it's Natalia who is the one who's wanting to um, uh, defect. And, uh, you know, he's got, a bit of a, he's got a bit of a crush on her, obviously, for the reasons why he did the thing earlier on. And he, he's even drawing pictures of her and he puts her into, a, into his comic book as a laser lady. You know, good grief. Couldn't come up with a better name than that. Anyway, so, uh, so he agrees, but only... If the CIA will kind of fluff out his Condor Man character and build all of his gadgets and everything to you know fulfil the Condor Man persona, um, which they which they do, um, you know, quite strangely, really. Um, so then he goes and gets uh, he goes and meets Natalia in, uh, in in I think it's Yugoslavia to begin with in the uh, in the borders and uh, basically it's them it just becomes a race across Europe uh, to get her out pursued by Sir Guy played by Oliver Reed and his henchman Morovich 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 who uh, who's got the steel eye really really weird and he uses all of his gadgets and disguises and Condor Man uh, uh, bits and pieces to uh, basically get her out and into international waters and. That's about it, really. It's then just a bit of a you know, a bit of a road slash race movie to get her away from from the bad guys. Um, so why, you know, so what's wrong with the movie? Well, okay, let's start with the good first. Fact, first. To begin with, it's got a great beginning. I love the beginning. It's really, really cool. It's got this uh, cartoon character uh, that's basically better than the real thing, in my opinion. That what they should have done was made an animated version of this film, um, which would have been, you know, a lot better. You know, he's, he's he seems to fit. Some, you know, the, the costume looks better. The style seems better. And it's kind of like a Roger Rabbit kind of thing, where he's he's a ca- cartoon character over the real live action footage of of Paris, and uh, he, he's just sort of like flying backwards and forwards and hitting into things, and he leaves the trails of the credits and the titles everything behind him in, a, in that kind of style and uh, there's even and I never noticed this before and because I wouldn't have picked it up at it but Disney had this um, sort of like almost like a Wilhelm scream but for a, um, a falling character into a ravine it went ah! 
oh, kind of thing. And that's in the beginning of this when he actually falls down. It's uh, I think you know they often used it in um, people falling into ravines and stuff. But um, there's still lots of fun to be had here if you're ten or younger. There's no doubt about it. You know I think if that I was watching this um, with my sort of uh, eight nine year old nephew, he'd probably get a big kick out of it. And because yeah, that's who it's aimed at. And I'm not going to take pot shots at it for that. Um, it's also got a pretty good score. I'll give it that. It's, uh, the music's really, really memorable. Annoyingly memorable and annoyingly hummable as well. Um, I found myself uh, humming along to it as it, as, it, as it went on. And I will say this, Woody, at one point in the film, he does make a good Arab. Uh, he does make a very good Arab, but only looks a lot like Peter Sellers. But uh, you know, maybe that's the spoof part about it as well. Um, but <laughs> the bad, it's, it's just not fun anymore. It's not fun for an adult anymore. It's... And any latitude that I may have been able to give it, anything that I might have been able to overlook when watching this again, and it was the same for my wife, is completely utterly overshadowed by Michael Crawford's ridiculous, uh, over-the-top um, American accent that he uses. I mean, the guy's a British guy, you know, he's from Stratford or something like that. He's from, I can't remember exactly where. But, you know, it, it's it's well over the top, and it's annoying is what it is. Now, a few weeks ago, I bigged up uh, James Keach in Carquake for his... German stereotyped uh, sort of piss take action, you know, nine, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, this is similar in stupidity, but instead of it being funny, it's plain annoying because he, he's playing it for real, he's not playing it for laughs, um, which is probably what he should have done. Um, and it, it, it meant anytime he was on screen, I just wanted it to hurry up and get on with it the next thing. And, it, you know, that's just kind of like what put a real, real stink on this movie for me is that I didn't want to watch the main character uh, in the film. I was more interested in what somebody else might have been doing. Now, like I said, as a kid's movie, even as an adult, you know, it, it's, it's, it's insulting to, uh, uh, to, to, to piss over this childhood memory as such. I remember this film having, you know, exciting action sequences, cool gadgets, a cool car, and these things just haven't dated well. There's a car chase in the middle of the film with these black Porsches, and they look good, to be fair. They're timeless black Porsches. They look really, really good. Um, but he's, he comes out with this, this yellow condormobile, which comes out the bottom of this old um, uh, sort of like gypsy wagon kind of thing. And it's, it now just looks so trite and awful and oh god it's just it's it's ugh, it's horrible full of fancy screens and touch panels and cameras and just it looks like a lego car is what it looks like and yeah okay right look 1981 might have been you know the the height of uh fantastical and whatever yeah and um, <clears throat> i'm just, like i said i'm sure it's still great for kids but you know i should have left this film as a memory this is really killed it for me uh you know and hey laser guns at the end of a boat you know i get it's a spoof i understand it's a spoof but laser guns they just don't fit. And like I said, that's the biggest reason for this film being a stink fest for me, is that it's played with that memory, it's played with that... It's like a, a toy that I used to have that I loved as a kid, and now I play with it, and I'm sorry, you know, so I'm, I'm throwing the bad apple out of this one, I'm sorry. Um, directed by Charles Jarrett, really didn't do a great deal of other stuff, kind of really, you know, I think the only other film that he's kind of made that I recognise would be The Last Flight of Noah's Ark, which is another Disney live-action film starring Elliot, Elliot Gould about them. Uh, I think I remember rightly, they get... Um, they get shipwrecked uh, or their plane goes down in the water and then they've got to make it into a boat to get back, something like that. But I remember liking that film as a kid. I remember really, really liking it. So I don't think I'm going to watch it <laughs> based on what my memories are of Mr. Jarrett's film with this. Is I just think I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave that memory in my head as it being a good film that I don't want to watch anymore. Um, there's no doubt this film had plenty of money spent on it. You know, Disney film, you know, they threw some money at plenty of locations. There's some, uh, there is some good camera work, I'll give them that. You know, the action sequences are not particularly exciting. 
Um, the editing is kind of clunky and it's got these really, really kitschy screen wipes. Again, you know, I understand it's supposed to be a spoof, it's supposed to be a parody, but it just looks pretty damn awful. It's all very 80s and I think that's where it belongs, you know, leave it where it is. Uh, this one's not getting an upgrade for me. I'm not going to get this on DVD. Um, I'm not particularly interested in watching it ever again. I know it hasn't been available for a long time. Uh, and maybe that's another reason why I've not seen it for a long time. But like I said, I prefer to keep this one in my uh, in my prepubescent memory, shall we say. You know, chills, spills and frills of yesteryear. Um, in terms of a remake, well... I think Kick-Ass has already kind of done a better job of the hero of no powers angle, you know, the, the the everyman stepping up and becoming the hero. So, you know, and there are lots of copycat movies, that type out there. So let's leave Condor Man to rest. I know there's quite a following online. I looked it up. There's quite a lot of following online to get this film updated for for current times and all that. But, hey, you know what? There's no Cold War anymore. There's no reason for that kind of spy mentality. It would only become a, a pastiche of, you know, a Bond-type film. And, you know, that's what it's supposed to be. But I just think we should just let it lie, let it lie, let it lie. Um, I know it's got its fans, you know, and you may be one. So I'm sorry if I've kind of pissed on your chips a little bit, but I'm filing this one under, oh, dear. Uh, and that's this week's Moving Up. Moving Up.